Hello, welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast, and I am your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. How's it going, everybody? How are you doing out there? Yeah. So, Aaliyah, explain to them what we're going to be doing today. So, this is technically Colin's birthday episode. Yep. So, I thought it would be fun if we did, I don't know what you would call this, but like... Well, my favorite things to talk about. Well, yeah, I figured, because his birthday is on the 31st of January, my birthday's on Valentine's Day. That's a true story. And I, and I figured for fun, for us, for our, the podcast, we would get to pick topics to talk about on the podcast that we really wanted Ooh, to talk about. Ooh, birthday shot. So, Colin wanted to do this, and two weeks from tomorrow, we'll do mm. the same thing for my birthday. We won't be talking about the same topic, because I want to talk about something completely different. Okay. But... It'll still be fun. Yeah. No, we're going to have fun with this episode. Cause... I'm going to have more fun with my birthday episode, <laughs> Well, yeah, because me. Well, yeah, because you're, we're going to be talking about your favorite thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which so we'll get to when we get to. So today we're going to be discussing dark fantasy films mm-hmm. from old to modern, even to now. I think for time's sake we are going to discuss dark fantasy movies but yes, we're we are. mostly going to talk about like what is dark fantasy mm-hmm. and what makes a fantasy movie dark exactly and i so, will and i will discuss of uh, some of my favorite dark fantasy films as well as we go along with this yes so so yeah yeah let's just jump okay. right into it let's go with it so i'm reading off of my note what is the concept of fantasy movies mm-hmm. so fantasy that's a good question Fantasy genres are films that belong to the fantasy genre, have themes that tie into them, such as magic, supernatural events, mythology, folklore, exotic fantasy worlds, Mm -hmm. and then I kind of added fiction and escapism, because when you watch a fantasy movie or you read anything that's considered a fantasy genre, you're using it as a means to escape the reality exactly and fantasies tend to overlap other genres so there's sci-fi there's horror there's action adventures fantasies that kind of like intertwine one another they do like grimm's tale type of stuff and they do mythical and yeah but we'll we'll get to those when we yeah. get to those okay. so the first fantasy film that was released in 1902 yes uh was titled a trip to the moon which, by you, the you way... You told me you've seen that one. Yes, I have. And, that, and actually, believe it or not, it was on Netflix for a second. This was like mm-hmm. a couple years ago. But fun fact about A Trip to the Moon, um, if you ever watched the Smashing Pumpkins music video, Tonight, 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 they actually took influence from A Ship to the Moon and actually... Um, a trip. A Trip to the Moon <laughs> and actually, you know, use it for the, for the music video. Okay. And that's why it seems so weird and trippy and stuff because of that. So, so yeah. now that we've talked about fantasy as a whole, why don't mm-hmm. we talk about dark fantasy? We will talk about so, dark fantasy. Dark fantasy is a subgenre of fantasy, but incorporates darker themes into it. So, when did fantasy movies begin to go darker in theme? So, during the 1970s, the U.S. dealt with a lot of social and political issues, like mm-hmm. the Watergate scandal, Vietnam, yeah. oil shortages... Um, this influenced filmmakers of the era to incorporate darker themes into their movies. And we see a lot of it, and we'll get into those when we get into some movies and, from and, that time. And it's funny that, you know, for dark fantasies, they try to make these movies for ki- for kids and families. And when really, they're too fucked up for families. Mm, yeah. Especially the subliminal messages and, like, like, you know, a lot of the scenes in the movies. I wouldn't say that all fantasy is meant for families though like oh my god what's that one that you and i watched this is like a while back 
But it was that like rocky, like rock and roll trippy movie. Ooh. Oh, um, what was it called? It was like try a, to remember. It was almost like an anthology. Oh, rock and a rock and roll anthology. Not like an anthology, but it's like a fantasy movie. It had a lot of cartoons into it, like animation. Uh, oh, heavy metal. Yes. Yes. That's heavy, what it was. Heavy metal is a good one too. I but love that I one. I would not say that that is for kids or families. No, That's more for like no. I'm talking adults. about. I'm talking about more like Dark Crystal, Never Ending Story, Legend. A lot of those movies were supposed to be family films. Well, yeah, they're meant to tar- they're targeted more for families and mm-hmm. even some kids. But when you look at it as a whole, yeah, it does contain a lot of like darker themes that kids may not fully identify with, but adults definitely will. And before we get right into like the movies itself, I'm yeah. gonna you know say one more thing about dark fantasy, and then we'll get into some movie examples. So Charles L. Grant once said about dark fantasy, he kind of coined the term dark fantasy. Quote, it's a type of horror story in which humanity is threatened by forces beyond human understanding, which is true. Mm-hmm. That's one of like the biggest themes in most fantasy movies is that there's always something that like can't be explained in like the human reality world. There's a so, weird, there's not even like a motive for it. It's kind of weird. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we'll get into some of the movies. So the mm-hmm. first one I have down, and this is just a typical fantasy movie with some dark themes to it i will go ahead and say this that almost every movie that we deal with or discuss Mm -hmm. has a dark theme of disturbing visuals is what kind of makes them a little bit darker exactly we'll get into this so wizard of oz was released on august 25th in 1939 has a runtime of an hour and 52 minutes was directed by victor fleming Mm mm-hmm and on IMDb has an eight out of ten score. Yeah, well, I mean, I could see that. That yeah. film, that film was definitely amazing for what it was mm-hmm. in the time. And it has like so. This is how I was going to go through this. So with each movie, we're going to talk about the fantasy tropes that make it a fantasy movie, and mm-hmm. then what are the dark themes that go along with it. You mm-hmm. know, like what makes it a dark fantasy. Yeah, exactly. And I will say that it's mostly like. A family movie for kids and kids can like understand and grasp it yeah the only thing that well let's get into the fantasy tropes i don't want to like go too much into it yeah so it deals with magic Mm -hmm. magical creatures yeah it's a form of escapism deals with fiction because it's a it's based off a fictional novel yeah fantasy world but I feel like that's why I like fantasy films, and that's why Wizard of Oz was such a good film, because it was such a getaway. Like, people can get away and watch this and just go into a different world. There's a lot of fucked up stuff that happens behind the scenes of that movie. Especially, yeah. But... The, and especially how they mistreated Julie Garden and Garland in that movie as yeah, well. Yeah, it's messed up. But yeah. anyway, um, the dark themes that make this a dark fantasy, in a, in a sense, is... Aside from the disturbing visuals, like the flying monkeys, the Wicked Witch, some of the effects, and like the way some of the characters get treated, is the the balancing difference between good and evil. Mm-hmm. It, there's always some sort of like element to that where there's like a f- conflict between good and evil, where one or multiple characters are grappling with that kind of concept, and it's like, yeah, you know, it's. It can be dark, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll, we'll like you know we'll talk about other examples that deal with stuff like that. The <laughs> next movie I have on my list is Fantasia. Yes, very good film. 
So I love was, Fantasia. It was released in November 13th of 1940. Mm-hmm. Um, had, About a year later. Had a runtime of two hours and six minutes. Mm-hmm. It has multiple directors. So there's Wilfred Jackson, Hamilton Luce, Ben Sharpsteer. Ben Sharpsteer. Yeah. Yep. And you're right, seven, you're right. It has a 7.7 7 out of 10 rating on IMDb. So this one has a little bit more to it in mm. context of fantasy than yeah, exactly. Wizard of Oz did. Mm-hmm. It's it, definitely a lot more fantasy. It deals with magic, magical creatures. And the animation super- of it was so in, 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 innovative. So it also deals with supernatural, the fantasy worlds again, mm-hmm. fiction and mythology. Because I guess there's one segment where... They have centaurs and fairies and things like that. And that's what made it so interesting, too. But it did have some darkness to it. Like, I guess I would say that there's... I know it's in the original cut, but I don't know if it's in any, like, film adaptations. Like, like when they release it for DVD and film, Mm -hmm. I think they took a segment out of it because it was just too too much. I can't remember which one. But one of the segments dealt with the extinction of dinosaurs, which is pretty... Wait, which Start. scene is that in the in Fantasia? It's in one of the segments. I can't remember which one. Yeah, because I don't remember that. I don't remember the dinosaurs for that one. They also talk about evil spirit, bald mountain scene. Yes, with that giant demon thing that comes out and just like puts his hands up. Yeah, and that again, was a good one. And again, with the disturbing visuals. Mm-hmm. Mainly from that particular segment, but yeah, that's pretty I th- much. I think that's what I like about fantasy films is the disturbing visuals of it and how hideous the creatures can be. Well, I mean, they had a lot of different animation artists, mm-hmm. but they had a lot of different animation artists that worked and collaborated on different things, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it was interesting, too, in the way that they made it. They had the, the musical scores first and then mm-hmm. kind of worked with writing the story with it. And that's kind of how they did Nightmare for Christmas. Yeah, they did exactly. The same thing with that. Mm-hmm. So the next movie I have, and we'll get into this is kind of getting into more adult themes, I guess. Okay. The Seventh Seal. Yes. Which was released in October thirteenth, nineteen fifty-eight. Which I never really watched that movie, but I've heard a lot of things about it. Had a runtime of an hour and thirty-six minutes. It was directed by Ingmar Bergman and has a rating of eight point two out of ten on IMDb. Yeah. So the fantasy tropes that are displayed in this movie are action adventure, mythology, because it, it deals with a lot of Greek mythology and um, characters. Yeah. Fiction, surrealism, and witchcraft magic. Um, quick question: what? Did Ray Harryhausen do this film for the for this? Was there any stop motion in this one? Because I didn't know if he did the Seven Seal. I don't know if he did for this one, but I definitely know for the next two he does. Yeah. Because he is known for his Greek mythology and also his stop motion in in those films. Definitely an animation style that's most recognizable in some films. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we have that. But I I don't think this is a Ray Harryhausen film. No. I just don't know. It would be cool if it was. I mean, I don't know if it was. I mean, I know he did films back then, but I don't know if he did every one of them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So... The dark themes that we have that kind of go in line with this, making it a dark fantasy, are death, medieval, crisis of faith, and superstition. I d- oh, okay. Next movie I have is The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Yes! I love the Sinbad movies. Like, seriously, they were some of the funnest movies to watch growing up. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with what he had to do, the virtues, the perseverance, especially against evil people and, and creatures as well. And seriously, like, all those movies are great. 
It had a runtime of an hour and 28 minutes. It was released on December 23rd, 1958. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Nathan Duran. Yep. And it has a score on IMDb of 7.1 out of 10. It deals with fantasy tropes such as fantasy worlds, mythology, adventure, and magic and I, magical creatures. I think that was the one with the Cyclops, right? Because, yeah, because yeah, I know in one of the Sinbad movies, he had to deal with fighting with a Cyclops. <laughs> the dark themes that we have are, the con- again, the conflicts between good and evil. There are some themes of treason in it, which I don't know if you would consider that as a dark theme. I mean, I would, guess. Yeah. Wh- which one? Treason. Treason? Yeah, it would be dark theme. I feel like it would be. There's dark prophecies. War, loss, and death and murder, mm-hmm. which are big I think death is like one of the biggest dark themes that you can incorporate into a dark fantasy movie. Well, and yeah. as we, I know for sure, as we get into more of these later on, there's going to be a lot more of that theme incorporated into these dark fantasy films. Well, with with me for fantasy, there's always been that thing of good versus evil. Mm-hmm. And like evil's trying to take over the land. So good has to come in and conquer and take them over so it doesn't take over their land. Do you want me to move on to the next one or do you want to keep talking about... The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. I mean... Is there anything else you want to say about it? Well, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, I mean, there's... I think there's... How many films is there? I mean, there's a couple. I don't know if there was like four or five of them, but... I don't know. But personally, my favorite is when the Cyclops... Because in the other one, there's another Cyclops that goes faces a um, a mountain lion. Okay. And, and literally, that was such a, f- a great scene because literally, I was rooting for the Cyclops, but the mountain lion just like fucked his ass up mm-hmm. and i just felt bad because he was there throughout the whole movie helping them and then he gets killed in the end and i think that's like that's the thing when you see a good character like that it sucks that they die yeah so yeah but that's that's all i really have to say really so and yeah like I said, we'll see a lot of these happen throughout all the other movies that we get to talk about in this episode i hope i don't cry because so, there are some movies i love that literally that make me choke up a little bit so one other or the next one I'm going to get into is Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, Jason and the Argonauts. Which... It had a runtime of an hour and 44 minutes. Mm-hmm. It was released on June 19th, 1963. It's a great film. Directed by Don Ch- Chaffney. Uh, let me see. Where is that at? Don Chaffney. Don Chaffney. Yep, you're right. Chaffee. Sorry, Chaffee. Is no it Chaffee? End. There is no end. Okay. Yeah, cool. It has a IMDb score of 7.3 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to talk about it? The famous scene in Jason and the Argonauts, um, they go on a voyage to... Uh, what is it? They were going on a voyage to stop... To, to get something. Mm-hmm. And to help the kingdom. And on that voyage in Jason and the Argonauts, Hercules was actually in the film. And when in one of the scenes, Hercules actually went on a different path, and one of the one of the soldiers said, "Oh, he's going on a journey to find himself, and you'll see him someday, or whatever happens to him." And then the famous scene in Jason and the Argonauts is when the skeletons come out and they do their famous sword fight, which kind of inspired a lot of other movies as well. Like Army of Darkness was inspired by the scene of the Jason and the Argonauts with the skeletons. Actually, Army of Darkness was one of those movies that was on the dark fantasy list, and I just didn't add it on. Because <laughs> you don't like Evil Dead. I know it's you It's not don't. that I don't like Evil Dead. It's just, I figured, we, we talk about the ones that either we both liked or 
people would know well about. Well, a lot of people um, know about Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. That's a big film. But Jason the Argonauts is another one of those Ray Harryhausen films that yep. had that iconic animation that we've seen in most of his other films. Mm-hmm. And the fantasy tropes that kind of go with this are the mythology creatures, like we mentioned before, um, action adventure, if, um, the fantasy world, and some magic, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of magic in that. Mm-hmm. The dark themes that are incorporated are death and murder, corruption and greed, mm-hmm. because there's definitely a lot of that in there, mm-hmm. and war. Oh yeah, and I think um, there was a Hydra in there, and the yep. the guy that was trying to the guy who betrayed the the hero of the movie went into the um, into the temple or whatever I think it was a temple, and he got killed by the Hydra, mm-hmm. and that's what you get when you screw someone over. Karma comes back to you and bites you in the ass, just like that damn Hydra did with him. So the next movie I have in the list is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which I know is like a weird. Weird thing to think about when you think of, like, dark fantasy. But Mm -hmm. hear me out when we get to the dark themes. Yeah. Because on top of the disturbing visuals that it had in some scenes Mm -hmm. that kind of made it a bit dark, I'll get into the fantasy trope. So it had magic creatures. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fiction based off a fictional film or book. And it's a form of escapism, surrealism. Those are the things that, I guess, make it a fantasy film. That is a wonderful film. I do like that. So the dark themes we have for Willy Wonka yeah. and the Chocolate Factory are growing up. I don't know why that's considered a dark theme. Mm-hmm. But I guess in some ways, like, the well, concept of growing up, leaving behind your childhood, and entering the adult world can be kind of, like, dark or sad. We have greed and corruption again, which mm-hmm. I want to talk a bit about this a little bit more. Because when you first look or watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory... And I'm talking about the Gene Wilder one, not the yeah, not Johnny the one Depp with Johnny Depp, Depp, that really weird which was, one, which was still good. Eh. Still kept it dark. It's okay. It's okay. Still kept it dark, but yeah. the the concept of greed and corruption and how it how it affected kids in the movie was like you had maybe like what five children. Well, yeah, two girls, three boys, something mm-hmm. like that number. Out of the five of them. Four of them were the most spoiled in some way, shape, or form. Like that Veruca salt girl, she wanted everything under the sun. She wanted like the latest toys, the latest outfits, the latest mm-hmm. pets, and everything. And these were a lot of these were spoiled children in different ways. Exactly, like, like I just said. Yeah, like with with what you said with the girl who was like spoiled yeah. with toys and wanted anything she wanted, and the um, boy who wanted um, food. Augustus Glute, he yep. is very, and I think in I think too in some way, they represented some of those seven deadly sins that we see incorporated in other films. Mm-hmm. Like I said, with Ruka Salt, it's greed. She wants, yeah. wants, wants. Like I said, in in some ways, they can be depicted as one of those seven deadly sins mm-hmm. that we talked about. Like Ruka Salt is obviously greed. Yeah, Augustus Glute is gluttony. Mm-hmm. Mike TV is. Sloth, I guess. I don't know if I would call him sloth <laughs> or wrath, yeah. even. Because yeah. he's a kid who like in the in this version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, he's a kid who likes to watch TV a lot. Doesn't really do anything. Doesn't go outside and play. Just watches a lot of TV. I guess you can consider that sloth. And then Violet Beauregard. Mm. I think hers is like is pride of sin 
or vanity. Vanity well, is well, more of a sin. Yeah, but but wait, her. Yeah, I think she's more prideful. She's a competitor. Mm-hmm. She likes she like she thrives in competition and she like crushes I don't know and you know what but with- it's it's just it, again it's four children who are very very spoiled and their greed and corruption eventually leads to them not being able to win the big prize at the end yeah and and the thing was with Charlie he wasn't a spoiled boy and he wasn't bratty and he wasn't anything and it really was like more of a him to reason to win. Well, he came from a pretty good background, but then another thing... He came all, from a poor background. We'll get into that in a minute, yeah. but one thing that they all had in common, even Charlie, was after they got their tickets, they all were approached by a guy who was trying to convince them to steal something from Wonka's factory mm-hmm. and give it to him. Yes. Which is corruption. Like, it's a grown adult using these kids for personal gain. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and the kids, they're impressionable, you know, and they're good. Well, another thing too, and I think it, I think it goes in line with, like I was saying with the other four kids, but he also promises them money. Like, if you bring me this item, mm-hmm. you we will pay you yeah. or we will give you money. Exactly. And it's really turns them into these greedy little monsters. They're even, greedy even, little even, assholes. Even more than we, they yeah. already are, but that's besides the point. Yeah, and this makes them more greedy. Another dark theme, and I mean, I wouldn't say this is a dark theme, but it's concept between wealth and poverty. Mm Because obviously Charlie, like we said, comes from a very poor background, whereas all these other kids come from... rich backgrounds. Well, rich to middle class backgrounds, because they all are well off in some way. Mm -hmm. But it's that, I think it's that class dynamic between how how well and privileged those other children are is what made them that way compared to how Charlie's life has been that's made him more humble and appreciative for what he already has. It's kind of like, this is what separates him from the rest of the herd. Mm -hmm. And while it may be a good concept to think about when you watch that kind of movie, it is kind of still considered a dark theme because it really makes you face that kind of reality mindset. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's a pretty good point um, right there too. Especially and, the, and it gives it's a learning lesson that movie. Yeah. It gives you a big learning lesson about and rivalry. Mhm. Because in in this version we hardly see the kids interact with one another. Nah. Like they're all part of this group, they're going on this tour in the factory, but they don't ever like interact with each other. And I think it's because they all know that by the end of this tour, one of them is going to get this prize or they're all going to walk out of here or one of them's going to walk out of here with the promise of giving money for stealing an item from Wonka's factory and it's yeah. a sense of rivalry you know yeah. put you know instilled on kids so i think that's i think willy wonka when you break it down as a whole is kind of considered a dark fantasy yeah and he had that famous line too you get nothing <laughs> yeah but that doesn't make it a dark fantasy no it that's doesn't that's just a line I know, but that's, you know, a pretty famous line that a lot of people talk about. Moving on. Um, <laughs> Why you gotta be a dick? You'll like this one, but The Dark Crystal. Yes. Which was released in December 17th, 1982. Yep. Had a runtime of an hour and 33 minutes. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Jim Henson and Frank Oz. Yep. Great movie, by the way. Has an IMDb score of 7.2 out of 10. The fantasy tropes with this movie are the fantasy worlds, the magic and 
magical creatures, mm -hmm. the surrealism, and the adventure and all of it. It's a very creepy film. Mm -hmm. and it, was just, it was definitely Jim Henson's different direction. He wanted to do something different besides his Muppet movies and show. Even though it's still puppetry, but it's like a different type of puppetry. Yeah, and, it's just, and it was something different that you didn't really see from Jim Henson. You know, and it was this you and a lot of people were shocked by it as well. Yeah. And again, it, it's it's another example of how disturbing visuals make this a darker film, mm -hmm. especially like the Skeksis and all that stuff. It's like shit. Yeah. So going into the darker themes, aside from the disturbing visuals, we have the concept of good versus evil. Mm -hmm. There's slavery involved. There's pollution and the mutation of certain creatures. Again, corruption and greed with the Skeksis mm -hmm. um, trying to absorb the crystal's power for their own personal gain. I actually, I enjoy the Netflix series a lot more than the film, but that's yeah, just my but, opinion. But me, I love the Netflix show and everything, but I've always been about the original movie. Yeah. Like the original and movie I grew up with, I had the VHS and everything. And I'm saddened that there isn't going to be a season two again on Netflix, but I, I hope that the Jim Henson Corporation will at least be able to produce a second season yeah. and be able to release it on different platforms. I am. I love movies too and everything, but I feel like if you could do just as good with the show as the movie too, as well, that's the perfect. show really like. And it's funny, and San Andy Samberg's in it too. We're gonna pull away from that a little bit, but yeah. I think it definitely does focus a little bit more on those darker tropes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still like I said, it's still overall a fantasy themed show or movie, but it does carry mm -hmm. dark themes that make it a dark fantasy, which yeah. is what we're discussing yeah. here well it's because netflix cut it short and that's why i'm a pro movie yeah, yeah. I, I get that too but if yeah. you can make a show like that like that's what i'm saying that's why i'm hoping that the jim henson company will be able to go ahead and make the second one mm -hmm. and be able to release it elsewhere and then the final theme the dark the final dark theme is death and uh darkness yep and uh, that's why that's why I liked about this too, especially the violence in there's the movie. There's a lot. You know what's funny? Well, not funny, but there's a lot more death in the show than there was in the movie. I feel. Yeah. yeah. But the fighting in the movie was just as good too, as well. The fighting in the show was amazing. Yeah. And I'm saying this because the time has come a long way, and the Jim Henson Company has done a pretty good job with their puppetry, and it's more. <laughs> the show was about thirty years after. Okay. Yeah, but it's like a prequel to the storyline of but the that, movie. But that's what makes it so good, because it and is you know a prequel. What? I know, but then again, when you watch the show, and you know that it's a prequel to the events of the movie, mm -hmm. knowing what you know happens to the Gelflings only makes it even more devastating when you start to actually get attached to the characters in the show. Oh my god. I would love to do a debate furthermore on this topic. But yes, but you know we, what? I feel like we should go to the next film yes. as well. So the next film we have on the list. Please is, tell me it's what I think it is. It's Legend. Oh, yes. The 1985 film Legend. 86. No way. It yeah. had to be 85. No, it was released on April 18th, 1986. Uh. It had a runtime of an hour and 34 minutes. Oh, it was I'm... directed by Ridley Scott and has an IMDb scoring of 6.5 out of 10. <laughs> what, <laughs> any thoughts on, on, on Legend? Yes, on the 1985 film. 86. It was it was filmed in 85. It was released in 86. Just because something is filmed on a certain year doesn't mean it was released on the same year. No, sometimes it takes a year for the film to come out. But anyway, the film I love Legend. 
No, but yes, Legend is a great film. Just mixture of illusion and scariness and creatures. And released on April 18th, 1986. Fuck you. Fuck you, birthday boy. Oh, that's not nice. Anyway. I don't care. Anyway. But but the film is great. It's got a bunch of creatures. Um, a very weird, eerie uh, premise of the film. Yeah, I mean, the, and, there's some lighter, fluffy elements to it, yeah. and especially in the beginning and probably towards the end. But mm-hmm. that whole middle plot point and everything in between is like dark. Uh, and the thing it got I, really dark it, really quick. Well, that's the whole point <laughs> of like, it because whoa. the film is supposed to be dark, yeah. and like, and it, and that's the thing about it is that it's magical as hell. Mm-hmm. You think of a movie, you think there's other movies that are so magical. No, nothing topped them like Legend because like the mix- I beg to differ, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> well, its weirdness and its magicalness is what made Legend so iconic and cult following. You know, because a lot of critics didn't didn't really like the film. But yeah, I just love it. And the high fantasy and turbo dark. That's what I'm saying. That's what made Legend so great. Because it was creepy and eerie. And the special effects of it is perfect. Yeah, it had some good visuals. Oh I personally God. like the, the whole iconic image of Tim Curry's Prince of Darkness. Fancy <laughs> tropes in this movie are adventure, fancy worlds, magic and creatures... Uh, surrealism, escapism, mythology. Will you stop drinking? No, I'm just, I'm just putting it right here. All right, I'm just keeping it right there. Yeah, you're but not I'm gonna not... get your surprise at the end. <sighs> but I'm not. I'm pacing myself. But I'm pacing myself. It's okay. What, what's pacing to you? What is pacing to you? Give it about five to ten minutes. There's no such thing as pacing in your vocabulary. Yes, there is. Moving on. So the dark themes to this are corruption, mm-hmm. darkness, and death. War, evil, yeah, and disturbing visuals. There's a lot of disturbing visuals. Have you ever seen the, ca- the creatures in that film? Are fucking terrifying. I know. That's why I'm saying a lot of times what makes some of these fantasy movies dark are the disturbing visuals. And you know, and you know, like like that tunnel scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, had the- a lot of weird, obscure. And he kept screaming as the tunnel went on, and his voice went higher. I mean, it it made it more eerie, but I wouldn't say that contributed to the dark visual aspect of that scene. Mm-hmm. But, like, the dark lights, the flashing images, you know, all make it a dark visual. Yeah, and and my favorite scene in Legend is uh, where... Who's the girl's name in the film? Tia Sara or Mia Sara? I think it's Mia Sara, but let yeah. me look it up. Yes, it is Mia Sara, because she was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, Mia Sara. So, and Mia and Sara... So she's in the castle, and she wakes up, and she's in the um, and she's in like the dining the dining room area, mm-hmm. and she wakes up and she sees all this like lavish food and drinks and everything, and sees this like dark spirit that's kind of like dancing around and stuff, and it's kind of like, you know, wanting her to like enjoy herself and dance around and have fun and everything. And, yeah. And it was kind of like when I see that, it's like a symbol of like temptation and lust yeah and then another thing too was like i think towards the end too is like tim curry's character wants her to kill the other unicorn Mm -hmm. and he's trying to again make her evil like him yeah and that was the whole point she was trying and that's a form of corruption yeah and he was trying to give her to give in yeah 
And that, and I love that scene. It was so fun and weird and everything. Any other final thoughts on Legend before we move on to the next one? Not exactly, besides there are a few uh, famous actors that are in the film, besides Tom Cruise and Mia Sarah and Tim Curry. Billy Barty's in it, and he plays one of the uh, one of the dwarfs within the film. Mm-hmm. And um, and just I don't know, I just. I love the film because it's so eerie and magical and it just gives off this vibe. It's just like, what did I just watch? But you, you're you glad that you did watch it. Yeah, I guess so. And the soundtrack of the film is by the band Yes, who actually did the soundtrack for the film. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And I love the soundtrack to the film. There's two different soundtracks for it. The original VHS copy, which they have the a different soundtrack, and then the DVD is a different one. So yeah, so let us continue to our next film. The next film I have on the list is The Black Cauldron. Yes! It was Ni- released in July 24th, 1985. Mm-hmm. Had a runtime of an hour and 21 minutes. Was directed by Richard Rich and Ted Berman. Yeah. And has an IMDb score of 6.4 out of 10. Yes. You like The Dark Crystal. I do not, like... I love The Dark Crystal. The Black Cauldron. Oh, no. <laughs> the Black Cauldron, Yes. I do love that one. And that one actually stars uh, William Hurt. He plays the villain mm-hmm. in the film. And and shockingly, too, back in the, back in the day of Disney in the 80s, mm-hmm. in the early and mid-80s, they weren't doing so good movie-wise. Yeah. And Black Cauldron was actually a true example of their box office failure that almost got them into bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but I, I just don't know what is, like, what is so bad about it. It's really good film. Because it's it's technically considered a Disney movie, but again, it's a dark fantasy and that yeah. Disney doesn't always touch on. They're very they're mostly light and fluff. But yeah, Disney doesn't usually tackle dark themes like that. I mean, they probably do a little bit more now, but back then it wasn't really. Well, yeah, because you had movies like Snow White and Cinderella, I think, that were lighter, fluffier, but you know, happier, but for, those, made for children. But those movies were still dark. Like they were a lot. A lot of those older films were well, so pretty dark in the their little thing, ways. The only thing dark about them, I mean, Snow White, yes, had some dark visuals, and that the look of the old hag from the Evil Queen. Yeah. And then in Cinderella, you just had the evil stepmother and her cat. Like that's pretty much the only two dark themes that surround this whole move. Those whole movies. It's really the only things that Disney was able to touch on in its heyday. Yeah. And then when it got around to the Black Cauldron, they're like, okay, let's take this concept and make it darker. The fantasy tropes are the fantasy worlds, the escapism, surrealism, mm-hmm. uh, magic, and mythical creatures. It touches a bit on supernatural aspects. Well, yeah, especially with the ghosts and everything and his army of, like, he's trying to resurrect. Mm-hmm. Reanimation of the... Uh, corpses or i guess you can say yeah um mythology and folklore and adventure Mm -hmm. the dark themes it has is death war corruption again that battle between good good and and evil evil. yeah and disturbing visuals yeah any last thoughts and words you want to say on the black cauldron before we move on to the next one um not exactly other than it is a classic and it's a very enjoyable movie and if you haven't watched it yet please watch it on disney plus yeah. Because that's a good one. Next dark fantasy film. Please tell me it's what it is, what I it's think it is. It's my favorite. Your favorite? Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. Labyrinth. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I thought you were going to do uh, the other one, but it's okay. Well, yeah. We'll discuss um, that one. But Labyrinth is great. Labyrinth was released on June 27, 1986, 
It had a runtime of an hour and 41 minutes. It's directed by Jim Henson and has an IMDb score of 7.4 out of 10. And believe it or not, critics actually did not like Labyrinth. At first. Yeah, at first. And Jim Henson was kind of upset about that. Mm -hmm. Because he was like, that was like his baby. He loved that movie. Yeah. What babe? The babe of power. (laughs) So the fantasy tropes for Labyrinth are magical, as magical aspects and creatures. Talk about mythology and folklore. It discusses fantasy worlds, surrealism, escapism, and adventure. Stark themes are... Hold on, keep going. It's darker themes are deception coming of age, kidnapping, and disturbing visuals. And I I mean, coming of age is, wouldn't exactly call it like a dark theme, but it's a reoccurring theme that constantly gets tested in our main character's plot point throughout the movie. Is the fact that she's like, she's at a weird age where she's getting too old for for childish things, but doesn't want to step into adulthood. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, there's that. Anything you want to talk about, Labyrinth, before we move on to the next topic? Um, let me see. Other than the uh, disturbing visuals of some of it and the, um, the very extravagant, you know, scenes that they have. And the characters themselves are amazing as well. Mm-hmm. And just it just seems such a fun movie to watch. The one scene that disturbed me as a child, I don't know why it did, but it just seemed scary to me, was the dance ball scene. The ball dancing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that scene. I, it, How is that I, scary? Well, because a lot of the people who are in those masks and like when in the very end when everything started spinning and turning and like spinning around and everyone's just getting all creepy, it just it kind of bothered me. I would have thought that scene where she's like, what are those orange creatures called? Oh. um Fire somethings. Yeah, they're, what are they called? I mean. But I do remember one of them is actually um, Kevin. I think his name was Kevin Clash. He was the guy who voiced Elmo. He's one yeah, of the, you he's, told me about that. He's one of the characters in the in those old fire guys. And I thought that was pretty cool. And you could tell what his voice is in one of the characters because he had some of that Elmo voice within it. You want to know something funny about that kid too? The yeah. kid who played Toby. He would grow up. To help to, Dark Crystal. To make the Dark Crystal TV series on Netflix. Yeah, and the guy who starred in the Elton John bio, biography movie a couple years ago, he was shocked to know that the kid who played Oscar in Labyrinth was helping with Dark Crystal the TV Toby? show. Toby, yeah. Toby well, was his name in the movie. Oh, I thought it was Oscar. What? Yeah, but it turned out, yeah, Toby in the movie... Mm-hmm. He grew up to be the guy who helped out work in the Dark Crystal movie. And the guy who starred in the movie was shocked. Yeah. He was like, I can't believe Toby's here. So, are you ready to move on to the next one? Yes, I am. And uh, is it actually one of my favorites? Yes, I would say this is one of your favorites. Please tell me it is. The Witches? Oh. Anyway, But yes, we we will go to 1990's The Witches starring Angelica Houston. Released in August 24th of 1990, had a runtime of an hour and 32 minutes long. Directed by Nicholas Roig and has an IMDb score of 6.9 out of 10. I get my Mm. mispronunciation of things wrong, so sorry if I mispronounce his last name. I'll be right back. All right. Some fantasy tropes that went with this movie are supernatural aspects, magic, mythology, and folklore. And it has a lot of mystery surrounding it, which... I guess mystery can be a much, like dark visuals or disturbing visuals, it covers a much more broader aspect of dark fantasy 
or even dark themes in general in certain movies and shows. But yeah, The Witches has a lot of like darkness and mystery to it. It had the, the disturbing visuals like we mentioned, kidnapping, again, the good versus evil concept, and the dark theme of death and loss. And yeah, that's all I have to say about any thoughts you have to say on the witches? The witches you alone. Spill this little shot glass over. <laughs> Sorry, but no, yes, the witch is a very fun film. It's creepy, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, there. I don't know. There's this. The, I love the special effects of it, you know, and especially when they change the little boys into rats. Yeah. Because that was the whole thing. They were trying to take children, especially with all the chocolate they were getting and everything, and turn them all into rats. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. I just hope that just... I'm just glad that never was me being one of those children. And you remember the little fat kid who was spoiled with chocolate? Mm-hmm. What? That it? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Uh, the next movie, and I threw this in here because this one showed up a lot in those dark fantasy lists that I looked up, mm-hmm. but Sleepy Hollow, mm. which was released on November, 7, November 17th, 1999. Had a runtime of an hour and 46 minutes. Was directed by Tim Burton. Yep. And has an IMDb rating of 7.3 out of 10. Surprised that we really didn't talk about too many uh, Tim Burton films. Because he had some fantasy films. Yeah. I mean. He he has. I mean, they're not fantasy. But they have that type of fantasy into his film. Yeah. But here's the thing, too. And when you look up dark fantasy movies, a lot of his movies do come up in lists like Edward Scissorhands and I feel like that's the most but yeah like I don't think Paranorman is his film yeah but I mean I didn't want to put too many Tim Burton ones like I figured if we were going to talk about like Ray Harryhausen or Jim Henson we pepper in some of them in this list but I didn't want to like make a consistent like do two directors of the same movies at a time exactly and you know what if i had to pick a film that i feel like a tim burton film would be fantasy would be uh james and the giant peach that's not a tim burton movie though yeah i thought it was it's not james and the giant peach no it's not i'm gonna look it up but you go ahead and talk about sleepy hollow all right well sleepy hollow is a very interesting film mixed with fantasy and horror and uh it's it's a take on the original sleepy hollow film but it's a little different well tim burton produced it but he, he didn't produced direct it. it okay but it still had a little bit of involvement with him but that doesn't matter it's fine not that much but whatever we'll just let it go so you let it go i did let it go anyway i'm, I'm like frozen i let it go so yeah um so the Fantasy tropes I have for Sleepy Hollow is that it's supernatural, mm-hmm. it discusses folklore, there's some magic to it, and oh, yeah. there's mystery. Yep. And there's also lies and everything, because a lot of people try to keep things secret and within Sleepy Hollow. I would say that's what makes it a bit dark and mysterious, but not exactly, like, lies is not exactly a concept that I would throw in here as a trope or mm. a theme. What about secrets? Again, it's part of the mystery. Yeah. But, like... Dark themes include, like, the death and the macabre, gore, mm-hmm. revenge, mainly, yeah. and greed, mainly. Yeah. But, yeah, those are the dark themes. Is there okay. anything you want me to explain? Um, yeah, go ahead. If you have anything else to explain about uh, Sleepy Hollow. Like? Like, its motives, especially with his mother. I never understand that. What's up with uh, Ichabod oh, Crane and his Ichabod? mother? Okay. So, I guess you can say that, like... Because that part bugged me growing up. Yeah, because that's... 
I guess we can talk a bit about that and how that makes it a dark plot point because the whole concept and storyline with his with Ichabod in his past is that he grew up really bonding with his mother who practiced the art of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. His father, however, was a Puritan. Was he that minister. older guy, the one with the gray hair? Yeah. I just thought that was just some weird uh, pastor or something like that. I didn't know that was his dad. That was his dad. At least I think it was his dad. Yeah. Or at least somebody from his community who didn't approve of his mom's Love you, methods. mom. Yeah. yeah, somebody who didn't approve of his mom's methods yeah. thought she was a witch. It was like conspiring with the devil. Like how most people do, you know. And thought she was a witch, conspiring to do evil, trying to stop her. Or at least conform her to Christianity or some some form of Puritan religion. Yeah. And, you know, because she refused or didn't conform like he had hoped, he killed her. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is so sad, too. And I just feel like, I don't know, he had that... He That's why he seems so quiet in the film. He, like, seems so to Ooh, himself. Ichabod? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just because in, like, some ways, like, he still holds that concept of or aspect of his mom's upbringing close to his heart Mm -hmm. and he's like if i project it out into my normal life people are going to ridicule me they're going to think that i'm crazy or i'm a witch and they're gonna i'm gonna end up like my mom and i'm gonna end up dead exactly probably that kind of way of thinking but anyway that's besides the point Mm-hmm. Next movie I have, which is one of my personal favorites, is Hellboy. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes. I didn't. I did not like the new version. I haven't watched the new version. I did. And it was I a mistake. I don't have an opinion on it, but oh. I see. I would have thought with the guy who played Hopper in Stranger Things playing him, you would have liked it. You know, he was great and stuff, but it's just the whole movie itself was all over the place. Oh, and that was, that's and sad. that's not that's that's not how you make movies. You don't make things to go all over the place, and they try to put too many characters in it. Yeah, I mean, at least we'll get into this in a bit. But yeah. Hellboy had a runtime of a two hours and twelve minutes. Was released on April second, two thousand four. Was directed by Guillermo del Toro, who we're going to talk about another movie of his in a minute. Yep, and it um, starred Ron Perl- Ron Perlman, the legend, and Selma Blair. Yep, um, well, she's a great actress. I love I love Selma Blair. And it has a 6.8 out of 10 rating on IMDb. Yeah. Its fantasy tropes are magic, mythical creatures, mm-hmm. um, some fantasy world, I'm guessing, surrealism. There's a lot of fantasy in that. Surrealism, supernatural, and action adventure. Hmm. It's actually one of the few action-esque type movies that I actually enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, eh, you know, I can't argue I like it. It's, it's a lot of good. fun. I can see why you like it. And it's yeah. a good one. And the, the first one and the second one are both good. I actually like both The second one was really good. I like the second one a lot. I was kind of shocked of how good the second one was. Yeah, I love the second <laughs> one. And I was so hoping for a third one and then nothing. Nothing yeah. ever came of it. I thought they were never going to make a third one, were they? There was some talkings of a third one, but... But I think two is good as it gets, I guess. I think also, too, after you see like all the other stuff Guillermo del Toro has come out with in recent years, I mean, it's like... like would, uh, would there have been any time or budgeting for a third Hellboy movie? Uh, what was that one movie that Guillermo del Toro made that was a Oscar-nominated film? It was... Uh, 
love the, sh- the shape of water the shape of water would that had that, that was, creature look like the creature from the black lagoon almost yes it's actually i saw the poster for that and i almost thought because the that amphibian like creature that you're talking about mm-hmm. looks similar to the aquatic creature in hellboy yeah Abe. yes like, that's what i thought too and that's I, why i'm like i feel oh, like they shit, almost took exactly, influence from that yeah well it's, yeah. again it's guillermo del toro yeah. And he's got like an iconic, well, not iconic, but you know how like with Tim Burton and you Ray You know what they're known for, yeah. Yeah, like with Tim Burton and Ray Harryhausen, they kind of have a distinct animation type theme with their movies. Yeah. Del Toro has the same kind of thing. And I, I like Del Toro, and he was actually inspired by Ray Harryhausen also because yeah. he loved... A lot of people were. Yeah, but yeah. he loved his movies because uh, in his mansion that I looked in because I had a documentary about his house, mm-hmm. he had a Her- Ray Harryhausen uh, room where it's just like sculptures of Ray Harryhausen and his little skeletons and stuff like that in the room, and it was pretty oh, cool yeah. looking. And he and I feel like with that, with the animation that Ray Harryhausen came up with, Guer- Guillermo del Toro was taken into his films. Yeah. Some of the dark themes that go with the Hellboy movie before we get even more into Del Toro's other works is the battle between humans versus demons. And also, um, there's there's also Nazis within the movie also. Yes, yes. there's that. It goes in line with the concept of war, mm-hmm. which I put in here. Yeah. So, humans versus demons, dark magics, death and loss, again, war, and the apocalypse trope. Yeah. Because towards the end, you, there is this impending threat with Hellboy being the key that unlocks the end of times. Mm-hmm. So we have that kind of threat or impending doom towards the end that kind of makes it a bit dark. Yeah. But yeah. That's all I have to say for Hellboy. It's one of my favorite fantasies. It's a great one. And the second one is just as good, too. It's exactly. just like we talked before. Yeah. yeah. So um, what is the next movie you have right there? <laughs> it's another Guillermo del Toro movie. It's called Pan's Labyrinth. Yep, which it is it's different from the from the original Labyrinth. It's a lot different. It was released in December 29th of 2006. It had a runtime of an hour and 59 minutes, almost two hours long. Mm-hmm. Uh, has an IMDb score of 8.2 out of 10. Yeah. It did pretty well. In yeah, box I've never seen the film, but a lot of people are saying that I should it's on I Netflix. should take it out. I should check it out. It's on Netflix. Yeah. So if you want to check it out, you can watch on Netflix. Yeah, and if you but guys want to check it out too, it's you know try it out. Its fantasy tropes are fantasy worlds, the magic and mythical creatures aspect again that we see, supernatural, <sighs> folklore, surrealism, and escapism. The thing is too is that. With the original Labyrinth and the Pan's Labyrinth, is it supposed to be like based off of the Labyrinth from no. 86? Or is this two different things? Two different things. But they both have a thing to do with the maze and creatures. Mm, mazes, yes. Which are technically called labyrinths, mm-hmm. but not exactly. The creature part? The creature part, some of it. But it, it's not like they're the same creatures. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's no hoggle. There's no blue cat. And there's not like a thing. Toby in here that you got to go in and save. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, she's just... This girl just somehow... Fell into it? Felt, yeah, she falls into this world where she has to complete these trials. And I, I don't... Like you said, I don't know the whole concept because I've never watched this movie. But I'm just listing it off as an example of dark fantasy. Okay. But 
Its dark themes include death and gore, war, because it does talk about World War II, mm-hmm. sadism, because one of the characters, I guess, is labeled a sadist. Yeah. Disturbing visuals, again, fear and tyranny. I've never so. seen the film, so it's yeah. just... Um... It's, hard to, it's hard to discuss it when you haven't seen it. Yeah. So, so we'll, I, we'll I definitely it. feel weird about it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll watch it and we'll... Maybe come back to it another like, time. But. Yeah, I would like to see what I think of it. Because, yeah. especially with some of the films... I mean, I've seen a lot of the films that we discussed. But the mm-hmm. I think the two... Some of the few films I haven't seen is this one, Pan's Labyrinth, and The Seventh Seal. Yeah. And I want to check out The Seventh Seal. I think so, that would be a good one to watch. Um, it had a runtime of an hour and 40 minutes. was released on February 5th, 2009. Mm-hmm. And has an IMDb rating of 7.7 out of 10. Its fantasy tropes include fantasy worlds, adventure, fiction, folklore, and magic. Yes. Its dark themes consist of, and this is just specifically, the death of children. Mm-hmm. Because it is, it's implied, but it's not actually shown. So sad. Yes. Oh my god. Gluttony, manipulation, disturbing visuals, and fear. Why has there got to be death of children in it? It's so sad. Because when you watch Coraline, you the manipulation part is how they end up in this situation. So mm-hmm. these children move into this house. There's a secret door that when they enter it, they enter this alternate world where there's a other mother or other father or other world or whatever. Mm. The other mother is like, well, I wouldn't say queen, but she's the one who kind of like... She's the ruler? Yes. Isn't ruler almost the same thing as saying queen? I have a weird way of thinking about it because, in a way, she is the ruler of it. Yeah. She's more of like a spider-like creature towards the end of it, but I don't want to call her a queen. Bee she's the dominant. It. But she like she uses this kind, loving, nurturing character to lure the children into this home with the intent of making them part of her world where mm-hmm. she just eventually loves them to death and eats them and then they just their souls are just stuck in this world mm-hmm. and they're never never to be seen or heard from again which is saddening yeah. that's that's Coraline oh making up a song about Coraline man you really have a pretty voice no I don't yes you do I'm you have a the, pretty voice so is there anything you want to wrap up about before we get to the very end of your <sighs> episode yes no maybe so i think for me out of all the films i've ever liked i like horror films you all know that i also Mm -hmm. like comedies and i love comedies there Mm -hmm. are some dramas i can get into but not all of them Mm -hmm. and you know there's other films as well but i'm not going to go into that the point is i love fantasy films because it's an escape it's an escape out of the reality that we have especially the reality that we have right now that's going on yeah. And sometimes we need a getaway to get away from our problems. Mm-hmm. And you know what? In those films that I grew up with, fantasy films, a lot of them have to deal with perseverance. And a lot of them has to deal with fighting of evil and trying to persevere against evil. And that's what I've always liked about those films because it was kind of like me. I always felt like I was the one that was fighting against things that were trying to bring me down. And... Sometimes you have to fight the evil in order to conquer and persevere to go on and have a better day. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like fantasy, because fantasy is about that. Fantasy is about magic, light, evil, fighting, 
Just mm -hmm. everything about it just seems great. And I think that all the movies that we've talked about so far are good examples of a dark fantasy and how it how it is as a subgenre. Mm -hmm. And I think that it also too is a good example of how fantasy overlaps. Yeah, dark fantasy I would say is a type of horror fantasy that it brings up a lot of those themes that makes you a little bit like tense and terrified and a bit suspenseful yeah but, but it's also overall, hopeful in the end there's some hope and yeah it does have a overall happy ending in most in most cases but and, and that's why we, yeah i think that's what makes it they it's what makes this genre and this list of fantasy movies pretty interesting but mm -hmm. yeah i like dark fantasy you know what i was gonna ask you this too what was the first fantasy film that you've ever watched that you could remember from growing up first dark fantasy or first actual fantasy fantasy well i mean i mean is there really a difference i mean i mean i would say dark fantasy but well, okay honestly i don't know i can't remember I can only say that for certain when I was a lot younger, I did watch bits and pieces of Never Ending Story. I hated it, did not like it, never wanted to watch it again, and I still don't. You can look at me like that, I don't care. I have no shame. You know what's funny? I was actually going to talk about that because Never Ending Story was my first fantasy film. Mm -hmm. And I love it because it just gave so many different emotions within the film, mm -hmm. you know? But it's it's a great film, and I know everyone has their own different opinions about it. But I will say, Never Any Story Three sucks. Even though that one stars Jack Black as his first film, but one and two are my favorite. But I will always cherish the first one. Yeah. And it's just and that was, and that was the movie that was my first fantasy film as a kid, and it made me cry because Artex was dying, and then the nothing yeah. was taking over. Um, the whole, the earth of the never-ending story. And Atreyu tried to defeat it, but he couldn't. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter what he did, he couldn't do it. But in the very end, Sebastian helped and made everything better. And I think that's what was so great about the film. And I, if you don't like it, that's fine. I'm not going to judge you on it. That look you gave me earlier was very judging, however. How dare she? But anyway, that's you know not what? the point. <laughs> so are you ready to wrap up? I am ready to wrap up because okay. we had a lot of films that we discussed. Yes. So find us on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter still at Abby Normal Podcast. We have a Patreon. So if you want to be a Patreon, you can go to our Patreon. Yes, be our Patreons. Patreon.com slash Abby Normal Podcast and become a Patreon. Be our Abbies. We have no merch right now still. We don't. We should, but we don't. Any any Patreons right now will get a special shout out in future episodes. Mm -hmm. And when the time comes and we do release merch, you will be entitled to some merch. And just to let you know that some people may not know this. That's why we're going to let these people know right here that our name, Abby Normal, where did that come from? Because some it, people don't know that. Our, the name for our show is Abby Normal Podcast. It is a line from the movie Young Frankenstein. It's a great film. And it's standing to in recent events that Clor Cloris Leachman passed away this past week at yes. 94. And she <laughs> played Frau Bucher. She passed away this week and we were very saddened by the news. And it's like, oh, you know, we should we should definitely say something but about she, that. But she you know, honestly will be missed. 
Yeah, she will. Yeah. It's very saddening. Yeah. And then this morning, Cecily Tyson passed away, and earlier last week, Larry King died. So I know. So very... we got three people dying this year so far. But that's better than what? Like the other years, some people have died five or six of them in the I same month. I remember one year, we, we kind of started off kind of in a sad note, too, in a similar way with David Bowie. Joey ba- I was going to say that, too. David yeah. Bowie. Yeah. I remember that day. Yeah, that it's day very was sad. sad as shit. I went to Lux Bar over here in Rochester, and they were doing a whole David Bowie tribute by like playing all David Bowie songs at the bar. I love that. <laughs> it and was we great. We even have a, our dog is named David. Or not, David, not David, but our name, dog is named Bowie. I originally wanted to name him Jeriff, but she thought that was a terrible name. That's and plus, more, it's, it's more of a cat's name. Yeah, it sounds more like a cat's name than a dog's name. So I'm exactly. like, why would you name him Bowie? Yeah, like, it's cute. Precisely. Know? That's why I chose Bowie instead. Yeah. That's more of a dog's name. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yes. So, you can find us on those platforms of social media. Plus find Patreon. us. Patreon. I guess that's all I have to say. Okay, cool. So, as we are done with our with our show, we'd like to thank you all for watching mm-hmm. and listening as well. Yeah. And we hope you have all a wonderful day. And this has been the Abbey Normal Podcast recording. And I am Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off saying, you remind me of the babe.